Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. This is your host, uh, Jim Ventura, and I'm going to uh, hopefully uh, pique your interest and uh, entertain you a little bit for the next 45 minutes. Uh, A little bit about me and what Snake Oil Radio is all about. Uh, I am a professional uh, soothsayer, and uh, a lot of people may or may not necessarily know what that is, so give a little rundown of what that is. Uh, I've studied a lot of philosophies, religions of all sorts, and uh, my uh, biggest specialty, of course, is oracles, um, numerology, astrology, tarot, runestones, uh, all that good kind of stuff. I uh, started studying that uh, many, many years ago and really developed quite a bit of expertise, I would like to think, in these areas. Um, and now, actually, what I do professionally is I am a uh, spiritual counselor and uh, really a life coach in that respect, but I have kind of a, an added uh, edge, I think, because I'm able to use oracles to kind of help guide people when I work with them. And when these things are used correctly, uh, they really are some amazing tools to work with, uh, really tremendously insightful. Uh, a lot of the clients that work with me have told me that even you know one session is like uh, 15 uh, sessions with a psychologist just because it's a lot of input to take in and often uh, very helpful in, in kind of getting you to be clear about where you are and where you're going, and, and it's kind of, I call it more of a navigation tool when you use oracles. Uh, a lot of people are somewhat misinformed about what oracles are because I really think, and it's somewhat understandable, um, the stuff that's in the magazines for astrology is mostly crap, honestly, in that sense. And uh, a lot of people who do use oracles, tarot in various sense, are really actually not trained um, as well as they should be, or, or using them somewhat incorrectly, or, or really not able to uh, be neutral about using the tools effectively. So that said, uh, I am a professional soothsayer, and uh, what Snake Oil uh, Radio is about is I started writing a blog column uh, back in late 2003, and I have uh, been writing that as a monthly column and sending that out to uh, people on the Internet for uh, quite a few years now. Uh, I get about six, uh, 600 people receiving the column each month. And uh, Snake Oil Radio was a concept I had come up with. Uh, Snake Oil, the column itself, uh, is uh, also uh, what we're referring to here. And I had come up with that idea some years ago when I wrote my first Snake Oil. I had been at a, uh, at a party when I was in my late 20s and relatively new as a professional uh, soothsayer. And I had a uh, friend of mine when someone asked what I did for a living, uh, butt in and say, oh, Jim's a snake oil salesman. And I know he meant that to be sarcastic, obviously, but uh, I was not necessarily uh, hurt by that simply because uh, he was somewhat misinformed. And actually, when I started to think about it, it really was kind of funny uh, to be called a snake oil salesman. I personally view the snake oil salesman as uh, someone who might be viewed as a charlatan in some people's eyes, yet if you go back in, in time, even uh, during Prohibition times, the snake oil salesman was often the one who was giving you potions and various things that would cure diseases and bring you love and all kinds of fun stuff like that. A lot of times what was really in the potions was uh, more or less uh, alcohol, <laughs> 
So, uh, but uh, when people believed that they were going to be healed, uh, often they did, and that's kind of an interesting thing to consider. A lot of times we look at another example. This would be in, in uh, Aboriginal cultures and, and uh, quote unquote unquote third world backward cultures, where they do things like psychic surgery, and uh, they are uh, uh, exposed to show that they really were had they had a chicken heart in their hand when they were working on you. Uh, people often say, oh, see, it's all a big scam. But truth be told, often those dramatic gestures and, and shifts that they do when they work on someone actually changes the person who's being worked on's belief, and they actually heal. Um, in fact, I'm guessing, uh, realistic from what I've studied and found out, you know, their success rate in healing is even somewhat higher than ours is with traditional medicine. So anyway, uh, the snake oil salesman may not be as foolish as people would think. Uh, so that's kind of where that concept would come up from. And I just made a decision to write a monthly column on all kinds of subjects relating to metaphysics and life, uh, relationships, emotions, uh, help people to understand a little more about uh, metaphysics, spirituality, but to do it in a way that was entertaining and interesting and not dry in that, in that sense as well. So that's where the column idea began to emerge and now I'm actually putting the first uh, 30 columns into a book. I'll have that available by the end of the year, Snake Oil, Volume 1. And I also am a writer who already published a book last year called uh, Dirty Little Secrets, and I'll give you some information about that a little bit later on in the show if anyone's interested in, uh, in contacting me or checking out uh, any of the books I have published. Okay, that said, so what we're going to do, what we're talking about today is I'm going to read my latest column, um, in case someone has not uh, heard this already, uh, I want to kind of read the column, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the ideas and uh, the concepts behind uh, this month's column, as well as in a little while I will offer um, the opportunity for callers to call in and uh, ask me questions, uh, comments, things of that nature. Uh, so I'll give you that number in a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many callers we're going to get today because when I, I'm, I'm, this is my first show and I'm new to this. And I, uh, when I signed on, I, I put that it was a uh, an adult show, not realizing that that kind of kept me off the on-air list to keep children from from coming to my show. So I'll have to on the next show I'll have to adjust that to mature. And the only reason I had put it under adult is because occasionally I curse and I I'm, I'm originally from New York, so sometimes I. Uh, don't realize that I might have a little bit of a mouth on me. So anyway, I don't think that's going to be too shocking to anyone along the way. So that said, let's kind of dive into this month's snake oil column. And I want to read to you kind of what I wrote, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, good times, bad times. A few years ago, the real estate market was booming. Luckily for me, I bought my condominium one year before the market went through the roof. Housing prices rose in record numbers. In Arizona, as well as other places in America, people listed their homes at a fair price while taking advantage of a netted perk. There were often bidding wars to buy homes above the asking price. A lot of people in the real estate fields were making money right and left. I had only owned my condominium for three years, and it doubled in value. This was probably the easiest money I have theoretically ever made. Still, while people scrambled to buy and sell, capitalizing on this trend, many went way over the budgets to purchase high-end homes. At the same time, many new realtors were hurriedly diving into the real estate field. Today, things have certainly changed. 
We're in a time of record-breaking foreclosures and house values have dropped. This pattern is not a new one. Human beings often forget that life is built on waves of cycles. Ignoring these cycles is the very thing that creates a problem for people who get caught in the mania of greed. Any area of life where things rise rapidly will eventually balance itself in the other direction. We hear simplistic phrases like, what goes up must come down. We smile at the simplicity of such perspectives. Yet, in almost all cliche expressions, there are hints of truth to why these sayings exist. In all of life, things are built and designed with cycles of checks and balances. In practical terms, the stock market is one such example. In the long run, the market can be a good place to invest money. Over years, most solid companies will strategically continue to gain over the long haul. But like anything, in the short run, it will go up and down. When we forget these cycles, problems arise. When home values rose dramatically a few years ago, I often heard things like, I made 60000 in one year on my house. In actuality, this is not an accurate perspective. Unless they actually sold their homes and had the money in their pockets, they didn't have the $60,000. This type of thinking is one of the biggest contributions to the financial difficulties many people are now experiencing. The Tarot illustrates this archetypal theme of cycles in the major arcana symbol of the Wheel of Fortune. In its upright position, it represents a beneficial cycle, opportunities, locking out, and a profitable ventures in many or all areas of life. The probability of abundance is indicated by this card when it shows up in a spread. Even the most cynical people can recognize that we all have times when this applies to our lives. In its reverse position, the Wheel of Fortune represents a difficult cycle, a period of blocked opportunities or bad luck. Tarot experts understand this up-and-down aspect of reality is nothing to fret about. A dark period will always give way to a period of light. An extremely opportune period will inevitably come back down and potentially trigger disappointment for anyone who believed it would stay that way. Wise soothsayers, oracle readers, philosophers, and people who have acquired wisdom understand that the universe is built on yin and yang, positive and negative, and dark and light cycles. There is no need to rally against unfavorable conditions. Things will inevitably turn around if one perseveres. Even when conditions are going extremely well, one should not behave recklessly. We absolutely should enjoy the opportunity to celebrate a good fortune, but also put some of the prosperity to the side to help cover the inevitable lean times. Even difficult cycles can be advantageous. We can use these cycles to repair areas that need attending. Fishermen repair nets when the weather conditions are unfavorable and they cannot fish. The universe was wired to move through all kinds of cycles. When the sun comes up and brings daylight, nightfall will follow. The cold winter will be followed by a warm, lush spring. When we understand this duality, we become more balanced and always remember not to collapse ourselves into the highs as well as the lows. Maybe I understand this because for fun, I like to gamble. I tend to play fairly low-stakes blackjack and video poker. Often, no matter how lucky I am, I inevitably hit cold periods. Sometimes the cards, the dice, or slot machines just don't go my way. 
There are occasional times when I am so unlucky that I find it almost comical. Things don't always go our way. Good and bad seasons come and go. Difficult times and challenges are not only a part of life, but can be valuable to us if we learn to surf these waves. In the late 60s, the rock group The Birds turned a quote from the book of Ecclesiastics into a song that expressed this idea of cycles in a really cool way. That's about as much of a, a song blip I can I can I could place on here uh, without copyright infringements. Anyway, uh, and my apologies for for my makeshift sound system. Uh, we'll, we'll get better as we go. Anyway, so that said, uh, the column uh, I got a lot of response from this column. Of course, uh, typically, I think a lot of people are, are really beginning to see that we have been, uh, without question, in some difficult times at this point in the game. I know uh, a lot of clients, a lot of people around me have been panicking a little bit about this economy uh, and what's kind of going on at this point. Uh, not surprising. Uh, you know, gas prices are incredibly high. Um, the, uh, you know, people are having trouble selling homes. Uh, uh, you know, there is uh, definitely a little bit of an air of fear in the air in that sense. Uh, honestly, this really, for me, came as no surprise, uh, and I was surprised that so many people are surprised by it. Uh, I don't really like to get too political when I, I talk. I like to steer away from that, but, I, you know, it's going to be an unavoidable thing at this point to comment on that. Uh, you know, this particular situation that we got in with uh, America electing this particular president, um, this war that we got in, uh, it was fairly obvious to me, even when it was beginning, that we were going to end up in a pretty kind of dark cycle eventually. Uh, I think that, to me, was kind of obvious. Uh, I'm surprised a lot of people didn't necessarily see that coming. And I guess I even found it sort of interesting that we got into a war, um, having been a child who grew up in the, the late 60s to early 70s um, after the Vietnam War. I thought for no reason we would ever get into a war again. But we're spending, as, a, as a, a country, we're spending a fortune, right or wrong, for the reasons behind it on a war. And in actuality, we are uh, we're really borrowing the money to pay for this war. So we're indebted to China and other places. Uh, America's largest export now is debt. And uh, so to me, that, even taking the moral implications or ethical implications that are going to war in the first place, uh, it's no surprise that all this money being pumped into that and other factors is really kind of costing us and causing us a lot of difficulty. Uh, on the good side, while it's a difficult time, uh, like I had said in, in the snake oil piece, it's not going to always stay this way. Uh, eventually things will turn around and things will shift. And as I pointed out in the column, uh, really, if you get smart, you'll really, really begin to understand that this is actually a really kind of strangely a, a natural part of life. I don't think any there's not a there's not a person in the world that can can will tell you that they haven't gone through some difficult periods or some difficult times in that sense. 
But truth be told, as corny as it sounds, we grow when we are uh, through our difficulties. That is the whole idea, and that is the plan. We learn uh, from the difficult experiences, and in truth, it makes us stronger in that sense as well. Uh, like I had talked about in the piece, when fishermen can't go to sea, they repair nets. Uh, that is uh, really a wise uh, perspective and philosophy that's been around for a very, very long time. And I've made a lot of suggestions to clients and people in general about these particular conditions right now that we're going through. I don't, I don't see it getting better. Uh, I don't think we're going to see it getting much better until 2009, um, and uh, that's a practical reality. But that doesn't mean that we all have to necessarily starve or have to have difficulties uh, in, that, in that context as well. I mean, if you think about this, even during the Depression, there were people that thrived and did well and were successful. It's just that more people were struggling. And truth be told, the people that were doing well were often sort of looked at as fat cats or people that were not um, attuned to the suffering that the, the average man was going through. Uh, but, you know, anyone who's comfortable financially does understand that. I mean, even if you took your money and threw it out the window to the starving masses, you would be helping them for probably a couple hours, a couple of days, you know, and then they go right back to struggling again. Really, in truth, we can we do far better to to teach someone who's struggling to not struggle so much, uh, and how to become empowered in that sense. And that's something I, I really like to stress when I work with clients and when I talk to people. Uh, adversity can be your friend in that sense if we understand that we that we can't fight so much against it. What happens is, you know, things are cyclical. So when we go through a dark cycle, of course, it's going to be followed by a light cycle. Now, I can hear some people saying, oh, my God, no, no, my, my dark cycle never seems to end. Well, truth be told, there can be a couple of reasons for that, uh, for the, because in actuality, that is somewhat unnatural for a dark cycle to, to linger for too long. And the reasons behind that could be karmic. It could have influences from your own, uh, you know, karmic uh, destiny in that sense as to why you're experiencing something. But even that is iffy in that sense. I'm, I'm not going to take this uh, time to go into that detail, but I may do it at a future time. But what I find is more the case is often when things are difficult for people, bad relationships, uh, they get fired from a job, any type of difficult thing that they go through, Rather than see the blessing in it, the recognition that something good will potentially come out of it, they hold on tenaciously to the idea of being victimized. Um, it almost becomes sort of the trophy. Uh, my life has been really, really terrible. My husband left me. My crappy job fired me after 12 years of loyal employment. Well, you know, I always like to say, when someone leaves you in a relationship, while it's natural to be upset about it for whatever reason, if someone cheats on you or they just don't want to stay with you, my joke is I always say all my exes eventually get hit with the ugly stick, uh, which is the idea that, you know, if someone goes away, it shouldn't be long before you see that they weren't for you. Or, or maybe the, the, the length and duration of the relationship ran its course, and that was long enough. My joke about the ugly stick is I personally find that when a relationship ends, um, I'm not attracted after a brief time to that individual anymore. I, I get kind of turned off. I start to see it in a more, through more critical eyes. Same thing with jobs and situations when you lose them. You know, there's always another doorway to potentially go through. You, you might have to wait a little while. It might take a little while before it shows. 
But there's always another doorway. And then, again, the same thing, you should look back in a healthy way and say, well, that was good enough or I wouldn't really want to be there anymore anyway in that particular job. So whatever the, the circumstance is, uh, there's an inclination that human beings have at times toward martyrdom, which is the idea of being a fear of being victimized and then the, the tendency to cling to that victimization, again, almost as it, it's a prize. Uh, and a lot of times when people get caught in this particular human trap of martyrdom, which is one of seven human fears, there's that urge to have people feel sorry for you, um, to see that you've suffered. And that actually becomes a focus. And again, to me, this is a big reason why we see this type of thing when a difficult cycle lingers way longer than it should. Uh, because we, we're actually, in many ways, we're holding on to it almost like uh, I've used the expression hugging your cactus. You're holding tenaciously to the idea that you are uh, going to uh, continue to suffer in that sense. Because in the natural order of things, things do go up and down, and we do get involved in, in these up and down cycles. In a very similar way, when things are going well, we also, you know, sometimes we get kind of cocky when things are going well. I know I use the uh, analogy of being a gambler in my uh, snake oil column, and uh, that's something I've, I have done for many years. In fact, some a good 10 or 12 years ago, I even uh, went so far with that I even developed a gambling addiction briefly, but I actually overcame that. Uh, that might make a good topic uh, for people to talk about how that was done uh, after a brief time of having the addiction. So now for me, it's kind of something I do for play once in a while. I'm very uh, restricted in, in how much I spend and what I, and what I, what I do. I don't go over my budget, and uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I think part of the reason that I like to uh, go to Vegas uh, every month or two or go to a local casino once or twice a month is also because I, my joke is it's probably the most unspiritual place you could possibly go to. I've always jokingly called uh, uh, Vegas the modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah in that sense. So there's something fun for me about going somewhere for a couple of days where I'm not really using necessarily my intuitive ability or spiritual abilities in that sense, and I'm focused more on just simple human pleasures of enjoyment and uh, the game of playing itself. But anyway, uh, on that note, uh, having maybe because I have, have done that and I, I do gamble, uh, and I have somewhat probably of an edge because I'm a mathematics guy, so I, maybe I do a little better just for pure mathematic purposes. I know a lot of you are saying, oh, my God, with his abilities, he should be able to get the lottery numbers <laughs> or uh, win every time. No, there's still practical mathematics that operate in this world in that sense. Plus, I'm sure at a deeper level, I'm not really sure. I think if I won a small fortune, I'd probably want to um, drink margaritas on a raft somewhere for a while, and I wouldn't do the work I'm supposed to do. So I think uh, maybe there's, there's some wisdom in that not occurring. But because I see and understand these cycles, uh, and I, I see that there are times when, even when you're doing really, really well, when you're gambling and you just seem like you, you can't lose, you often sort of get that feeling that you're untouchable that it doesn't matter what you do, and then cockiness can ensue, and then sometimes we throw away money, it will be, become somewhat impractical because we're going too far with it because we think we can't lose. Same thing in life. On the positive cycles, we sometimes will get callous or cocky in that sense to assume that it's always going to be an amazing period and we're always going to make a ton of money or luck out or relationship, or the relationship that we're, we're in is, is moving so smoothly that it is not going to require future work. 
and really, in truth, nothing could be uh, further from reality in that sense. Uh, this is a big part of being a human being, being alive in a physical body. Um, relationships require really almost a constant series of negotiations in that sense, uh, as does any job or situation we're in. We're always learning. We're always growing. And the difficult ups and downs cycles that we go through, yeah, they're valuable if you stand back and you think about it. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from uh, the Book of Runes, and the runes are uh, a Viking oracle that uh, was created many, many years ago that the Vikings used for, for oracle guidance. One of my favorite quotes from the Book of Runes uh, that Ralph Blum reinterpreted is from the Rune of Constraint, where he says, only at the point of greatest darkness do we come to recognize the light within and come to see the true creative power of the self. Loosely quoted, but if you stand back and you think about it, really sometimes only at our darkest points do we really, really go deep inside and pull out our true creative power, our true abilities to really, really uh, climb back into the light again, so to speak. And every human being has these abilities and these uh, talents and skills if they're just willing to kind of go deep inside themselves and realize that, you know, your life is no accident. You are a completely unique, perfect individual uh, created by God, the creator of the Tao, whatever your terminology is for that, and that you do have special abilities and talents. You're supposed to be here, and you have work to do. For the most part, it's very rare that someone is destined to suffer. Contrary to popular belief, uh, we're not really destined to suffer. That is illusion. Uh, it doesn't necessarily work that way. We're, uh, we can change our reality uh, to a large extent almost at any point. Uh, our thoughts, our beliefs form our reality. It's always going to be that way. You can stamp your feet up and down all you like, and your thoughts and your beliefs still form your reality. So knowing that, we have a lot more leeway in the creation of our lives than we would really, really want to, uh, may want to necessarily recognize. And it's a good thing to know that we can. Yes, there are cycles and uh, influences that affect us, absolutely. Your astrology influences you, numerology influences you, all kinds of things influence us. Uh, our genetics, our, our, our family lineage, all kinds of things influence us as well. But we still, in essence, create our experience through our thoughts. And really, when we're rallying against an unfavorable situation, um, we would be wiser to look at why we might be creating the situation and to uh, become uh, okay with that, to understand that there's something to be learned, there's some value in the situation. Uh, rather than getting caught in the traps of, of fear and martyrdom and poor me and why is this happening as well. So that said, we'll talk a little bit more about this. I want to throw in our guest call-in number in case anyone wants to call in and has a comment or a question uh, to ask uh, that relates somewhat to this subject. So that number is 646-200-3966. Again, that's 646 200-3966. That's the guest call-in number. Uh, if you call in, uh, feel free to uh, just hang until I kind of click on you, and I'll, I'll say hello and give you an opportunity to talk. Uh, I'm not sure whether I'm going to get a lot of calls at this point in the game again because I put the uh, thing on uh, as uh, adults, and I'm, I'm thinking that even the clients that I mentioned the show to are probably not going to be able to find me and only be able to catch this in the archive. But if someone calls, absolutely, we'll, we'll talk to you on air.
as well. So again, that number is 646-200-3966. Also, uh, if you are on the uh, Blog Talk Switch board, you'll also catch that there is a a chat room as well that you can go into. And if anyone has a question or a comment, they can um, uh, put it through the chat room and type it as well, and I'll kind of answer those uh, accordingly. So uh, feel free to Uh, do that if that's another way that you want to kind of communicate. Okay, so that said, I'm going to continue talking about this subject. If we get a caller, we'll we'll, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit and we'll see what what we can do. Uh, I had mentioned in the piece as well about the Tarot, and this is kind of a good opportunity to talk a little bit about what the Tarot actually is in that sense because, again, I feel a lot of people are misinformed by what Tarot is uh, all about and how it's really necessarily used. You know, you have to realize that, you know, anyone can get a deck of tarot and say they're a tarot reader. Um, You know, there really are no, uh, well, there are some schools actually that you can go to to learn. This is something that any human being can learn how to do. And I like to say, you know, it's kind of interesting to note that when I purchased my first tarot deck, I was actually 18 years old. And I'll be honest with you, I got the tarot partly out of curiosity, uh, but also because I you know, to me, being a very logical, practical person, I couldn't really imagine that a deck of cards could have any bearing on actually showing you what was going on in your life. That, to me, was sort of a, a ludicrous idea at some levels. But one thing I've always been is someone who, rather than decide something is untrue, I'll tend to look at it and check it out first before I necessarily make a decision about it. So when I began to study Tarot, and the way I did that was just really every month or two doing a reading according to what the book said how to do it for myself. I found that it was pretty cool how accurate the cards were in indicating what was going on in my life. I mean, really almost uh, unnerving, I guess, in some ways that it was so accurate. Often it really was uh, extremely on target in pinpointing situations that were going on. And the tarot also can be used for prediction. And I found that the uh, often the influences in the timing was pretty right on, actually, when the cards would suggest someone would show up or a situation would come into play. So I find uh, so I, I studied for many years before I ever even read for another human being. And when I felt I had enough information to really be able to validate that I was uh, good with it and that it could be used that way. But what I also found was the thing is it doesn't really take away your um, the control of your experience. It's really more like if you think of the tarot, and I promise all oracles in this category, as a road map that shows you what the, the better roads are to take and will also tend to show you where your dead ends might be or where you're blocked up or where you would run across a, a brick wall in some respect if you went down that road. Uh, so if you think of it that way, you're really getting a better understanding of what the tarot is about. You know, unfortunately in this culture, from most people's perception of, of tarot is like, you know, you see the X-Files episode and the crazy uh, psychic reader turns over the death card and she gasps and puts the cards away nervously. You know, this is the type of thing that I have to kind of laugh at in that sense because I often tell that to my clients. If you're going to get killed in a, a week or two, you're not going to come to me to tell you that. Um, or to the tarot in that sense. Um, really, in reality, this is dramatic uh, play with uh, with t- entertainment field that is really just kind of silly. 
but understandable, it, it sells television and, and movie programs in that sense, in a way that, that people find entertaining. But the Tarot doesn't really, really operate that way. At least for the most part, you rarely would have a Tarot reading and then think, oh my God, I can't believe that's going to happen. Intuitively, we get a sense and a feel for where we're going in our lives. Um, you don't have to have your intuition developed that much to not have it still operate at some levels. So if the cards say that your relationship is a disaster, this shouldn't exactly really be a shock to you. If the cards say you're going to have problems with your work, you probably sensed it coming. So really, it's kind of a fascinating tool to work with in that sense because it does give you um, really more insight than other people might necessarily have. You know, for me, having had this for so long, it, it's really kind of funny because it, it seems odd to me that people would start a relationship or begin a job and not lay out a tarot card spread or get a, into a relationship and not check out your partner's astrology. I actually find that really odd almost, I guess because I've been so immersed in it for so long that I see the value in using these particular types of tools. Um, and to others, it might, might seem real strange. You know, and another thing is a lot of times people have had bad experiences with psychics and things of that nature that have sort of tainted their point of view. And, and I probably would say that the biggest influence that makes the Tarot and Oracles in general kind of uncomfortable for the average human being is probably more because of religion. Uh, and I'm not putting down religion, so please don't begin to attack me on that. But, uh, well, you can if you want to. It wouldn't bother me. Uh, the reality of it is, I always say all religions at their core have the logos or have the truth. The problem is, men begin to, and that also includes women, but with religion, a lot of times it's more male, uh, begin to control, to influence um, the, uh, the, the, those truths in that sense and attempt to interpret them according to their own perspectives. So this is where religion can get kind of dicey in that sense. Um, and, uh, but the reason I say that influence, uh, the influence of religion is often difficult in relation to oracle reading is because for a lot of, especially for um, really right-wing Christian people, and they often were taught that if you look at, uh, if you go to an oracle reader, if you look at Tarot, you're doing something that is of the devil. Um, really, a lot of that idea was implanted into a Christianity in, I think, about the 13, 14, 1500s or so, um, well, probably more the 1500s or so, when the Tarot was largely somewhat created and put together. People were using these tools to uh, check out their own fortunes. And the church didn't like it for obvious reasons. Um, the same dynamic also applies to other things uh, that have gone up. Religion, yeah, the church didn't necessarily like it, and they try to implant the idea that it's bad or it's wrong. So a lot of these things are still first within the structure of religion uh, that, that get people to be very, very afraid of it in that sense. So truth be told, uh, I've even heard things uh, like uh, some of the most brilliant writing I've ever studied has been through uh, channeling through a Ouija board. I know that sounds kind of crazy, uh, except if you've actually studied some of the channeling, like the Michael teachings as an example, you'll find that so this is some of the most brilliant information and material you will ever get to uh, experience. And it, it came through largely through people working with the Ouija board. And I've heard people say, well, the Ouija board is evil um, and it's of the devil. You know, I had to say, if you think a piece of, piece of plastic is evil, you might want to get your head checked a little bit in that sense. I'm kidding. But you, uh, again, this is really a big influence that religion tends to do. 
And then truth be told, again, I don't put people down because they're fearful of this at times, uh, also because it can be a little scary a little bit when you first do this to kind of look into your, your fortune, so to speak. But it's funny because when you do it, you really begin to see that it's really brilliant and it's really helpful and it isn't nearly a negative thing that people think it is. So that said, uh, Tarot, back to the Tarot. Um, the Tarot is uh, a collection of archetypal symbols. There are 22 major arcana cards in the Tarot. And then there are a, a number of minor arcana cards which have to do with more of the day-to-day activities of life. The major arcana cards um, are archetypes. So, for instance, uh, the lover's card would represent the idea of everyone has within human wiring the idea of partnering in a healthy way. Now, whether we actually accomplish that in a lifetime is, is, remains to be seen. But at least people are wired to want to um, partner. So that's what the lover's card represents. And that's one of the 22 archetypal symbols. The symbol I mentioned in my um, article this month was the Wheel of Fortune. And the Wheel of Fortune as an archetypal symbol does represent that idea that we really hope to luck out. We really hope to benefit. We're very much uh, geared toward wanting to uh, have an abundant cycle. But the card in its reverse position represents the idea that sometimes uh, we go through difficult cycles. We have hard cycles. It's not necessarily easy. But that is that duality that exists within the structure of the universe. And again, suffering really comes from fighting it when we're in a difficult cycle. Uh, you know, I, I look at this concept of difficulty maybe a little bit differently than other human beings do. For instance, for the most part, on the rare occasions I have been ill in my life, and I, it's just the word rare, uh, I, I typically am a pretty healthy person. And by the way, I actually use almost exclusively alternative medicine when I have any type of illness or, or thing come up. But for the most part, I tend to be really, really, really healthy. Um, I find that, like for instance, a couple of weeks, a couple of months back, I had to have a, a tooth. I had a, a root canal of sorts, and of course, they gave me uh, painkillers to deal with the pain. And you know, I never took the painkillers. Um, while at times it was a little bit painful in that sense, I kind of feel like pain, unless it's really, really excruciating, then I guess I can understand, is not something you really even necessarily want to diminish. You know, we feel pain because something is out of balance inside of us physically, keeping in mind also when something's out of balance physically, it's also out of balance emotionally and psychologically. In fact, in many ways, that is the root of all forms of illness in the first place. So if we are feeling pain, it may not necessarily be in our best interest to numb it um, The pain will eventually pass, and this is something that I always uh, remember uh, and remind myself when I'm dealing with any type of pain that will eventually pass. So I I, I haven't had a flu in probably three years, and I had a stomach flu um, about three years ago. And if anyone's ever had a stomach flu, they know that, you know, it's coming out from both ends, if you know what I mean. Uh, Not a pleasant experience. But I always find that on the rare occasions I may have been experiencing that type of pain, there's, a, there's this part of me, I guess, that always sort of sees the humor in it at the same time. In other words, like when I was sick with a stomach flu and I was vomiting and, you know, and, uh, and going to the bathroom right and left, sometimes at the same time. It was so disgusting that I started to almost laugh at how bad I felt. In other words, I guess I knew at a deeper level that while it was excruciating and part of me wanted to die, that this would pass. I wouldn't always feel this way. 
And, of course, lo and behold, in a couple of days, I was better and it passed. And, again, really there was an insight that comes through if you let it that you don't always necessarily want to numb yourself um, from pain in that respect. Uh, experiencing it can be really, really valuable. Uh, again, there are extreme circumstances where somebody might want to uh, need to take a painkiller of some sort, uh, but for the most part, I think in this culture, it's a little, people lean a little too heavy on these type of things. Um, I'm sure if you follow my column and you listen to future shows, you'll begin to hear me um, talk about the pharmaceutical industry, not an area of joy as far as I'm concerned. So um, believe me, you'll hear more about that. But I think that while it has a value, I think that's another example of something people tend to kind of overuse. And these painkillers and these different various pharmaceuticals that numb people keep them from growing and evolving and looking at what they might need to change inside themselves um, to, to grow, to prosper, to get out of these, the difficult cycle that they may be in. Um, same thing occurs back to our original point here um, about these uh, good times, bad times, and these cycles that we go through in life. Really, when you, you get the hang and understand that this is this up-and-down reality is a part of living on the physical plane in a body, you really, really uh, can develop a sense of calmness and peace even during difficult circumstances and conditions. Uh, it's not always going to stay that way. So that's something to remember. In fact, I always like to uh, use the quote, suffering, the word suffering actually originally meant undergoing. And that's an interesting thing to contemplate. So when people say, oh, I'm suffering, you're undergoing. You're undergoing an experience. Uh, anyone who's active in working out or, or, or body maintenance at any level knows that if you at times work out so hard that you're sore or in pain, as strangely as that sounds, that feels good because you know your body's growing, you know you're, you're becoming leaner or big or more muscular or, or more cut, depending on what you're working at. Same dynamic is going on there when you do that. Um, that, that pain can be valuable if we're able to look at uh, what it is bringing us or where it's uh, meant to take us. Uh, again, even when you work out and you rip your body up, you know you're in pain, but you know that you're going to be maybe a little more muscular, a little bit more leaner afterwards, and you're eventually going to feel good again. And that's really, really key. So anyway, it looks like we didn't get any callers. Again, I'm not surprised. The next time I plan a show, I will not put it on as adults so people will be able to find me. Um, and uh, we'll get some callers next time. But uh, I will mention that if anyone is interested in getting the monthly column sent to them on the Internet, they can email me at venturasag at yahoo.com. That is V-E-N-T-U-R-A-S-A-G. S is in Sam, A is in Apple, G is in Guy. That's short for Sagittarius, by the way, uh, at yahoo.com. Uh, or VenturaWords at Mac.com would be another way to reach me. Uh, my website, if you're interested in books or uh, private sessions, various things, is web.mac.com slash VenturaWords. So that if you want to access a little bit more information about some of the uh, work and things that I do. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Snake Oil Radio.
and uh, I'm going to shoot for doing this every month for now, and then I might actually do it every other week, depending on uh, my schedule and whether things are successful. And I definitely invite and I definitely invite all of you to feel free to call in during my shows, write me with comments, um, or to access the uh, the column. It is free, um, and uh, and I think most people enjoy it. Just be prepared. I always sort of say that I am uh, I'm a little no holds barred. I'm willing to talk about just about everything in that sense, and uh, I always appreciate input. Be patient if you write me. Um, be patient if you write me because it may take uh, a little while for me to get back to you. I am pretty busy with business and things, but I always do get back to people, uh, especially with intelligent requests or information or questions. And uh, again, I hope you have enjoyed uh, my first show, uh, Snake Oil Radio. And I'd like to thank everyone at uh, Blog Talk Radio for putting this together in the first place. This is uh, an amazing uh, site with some real interesting uh, things to check out. So I'm going to look at some of the other uh, talented people that are doing shows on here as well. So this is Jim Ventura signing out. Thank you for tuning in again to Snake Oil Radio. And we will catch up with everybody next month. Cheers. Thank you. Love Talk Radio.